Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Raptors Over Everything podcast. My name is Emmett Mann. Rate, review, subscribe on your podcast platforms and on YouTube. Like and subscribe there as well. Joining me today, fresh from her trip to slc salt lake city all-star game to talk that and along with the toronto raptors hello katie heindel hello fresh but not fresh let's put it fresh. that way yeah fresh as in newly arrived back home not fresh as in how i feel when you got off the flight were you like ah home or was it like <laughs> eh, this weather no you know what i mean like salt lake city cold but it was very like bright and sunny every day but like when we days. we flew in yesterday, like the sun was kind of setting down, but we were so high that you could see the sun like in two layers. Mm. And like we did that thing where, you know, sometimes you come in from Pearson, just like Mississauga side and you don't see the city. We like swooped around the city and I had nice. a beautiful view of downtown, like straight down Young Street. And that part of me felt very like emotional. I was like, oh, yeah, Toronto's oh. Toronto's pretty cool. They don't normally do that. They don't normally do that. No. So. I appreciated it. Cool views. Yeah, cool views. So, All-Star, <laughs> give me your three to five best <laughs> moments. And before this, I was talking to Katie about this, and she's like, oh, you want, like, you know, the best moments from the All-Star festivities? <laughs> Didn't like, know. No, not that <laughs> stuff. The game was terrible. The only good thing was Mac McClung, really. Um, I want your, your random, obscure, Katie-specific best moments. So, please, tell the people. Okay. Well, um, I will say one of the greatest things about All-Star, especially in a small city like Salt Lake City, is you literally don't know who you're going to run into and when. Mm -hmm. So multiple instances, Allen Iverson in the lobby of the media hotel, flip flops, walking around on the phone, like just doing laps. Yeah. Sunglasses on? Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Sunglasses. Sometimes on, sometimes off. They also had a water and uh, apple cider station in the lobby of the hotel. So it was very endearing to see uh, past Hall of Famers helping themselves to apple cider at all hours of the day. Uh, Why apple cider? Am I missing something? From what I understand, because yeah. it's a heavy Mormon state, Okay. You, if you are like strictly Mormon, you cannot have caffeine. So you'll have oh. like, there was also alternating hot chocolate and apple cider. So they did not have like a coffee carafe. It was just not to say none of the Hall of Famers, I'm pretty sure, are Mormon, but I guess when in Rome type situation. Right. Right. Um, there was one night when I was going up to my room to change, to go out to dinner. Um, and there was a Hall of Famer. I was like, who is this? I'm not sure. Had a handfuls of like mini chips bags and like a pop. Had obviously just gone on a snack run and was like turning in for the night. Didn't uh-huh. know who it was, like couldn't place him. Got off on the same floor. Was like, oh, he's in the room next to me. And then it wasn't until I was checking in for my flight home when I had to airdrop myself jankily 
airdrop my from my phone to my computer my passport to upload it to United. That oh. I almost airdropped it to Spencer Haywood, who <laughs> was next to me all weekend long. Um, I will say, what are some other highlights? More like game related highlights. Probably Pascal's tribute to Shaq, uh, which I took as a tribute to Shaq's camcorder at Vince Carter's oh, yeah. yes, 2000 yes. All Star Game. Uh-huh. Uh, Pascal showing up with a camcorder to this past dunk contest. Yeah, not sorry, not Vince Carter's All Star Game. Vince Carter's amazing dunk contest pascal showing up with a camcorder in similar fashion i really got a kick out of that mm-hmm. um the dunk contest. content too the Obviously. red bull he's making yeah, he's he making a content. content right he did dunk contest no surprise highlight mm-hmm. for me um i thought actually i liked all the dunkers i kind of thought Ty- like uh, tyrese actually got a bit short changed i think mac was great to win yes. but uh tyrese has like one of those like very fluid dunkers that like makes mm. it look so easy that he almost it's like a disservice to himself. Um, yeah, I held that the stupid, Demar problem, right? The Demar yes, problem, exactly. Yeah. I later in the night held that stupid three D printed ball, and I will say slightly lighter. So it's not surprising mm. to me that that drunk that d- drunk <laughs> dunk. <laughs> what else did you do? In- when a little bit awry. <laughs> Um, what else do I have? Probably seen Burnaboy in Utah, literally last place on earth. I thought I'd see Burnaboy as a Burnaboy yeah, fan for the first time. He was great. Yeah. Amazing. Everyone in that uh in that halftime performance was yeah. terrific. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's definitely. Um, I will say uh Nikola Jokic's media, all-star media availability. I didn't realize mm-hmm. The thing I had quoted would like blow up to the extent it did of him. Oh, just saying, it did. Yes. I, I'm like, yeah, we, I guess we all feel that way deeply. We want our birthdays to go fast because making us being older is sad, but everything Jokic does and says, I realize, and he's not intending this to be the case. is just so funny. It's just the funniest thing. Yeah. Like someone asked him, oh, do, the, do these mics work better? You know, when he broke the mic mm-hmm. and then he like was like, yeah, they work better. And then it broke. <laughs> um, <laughs> someone was like, do you want uh, to be MVP? And he was like, sure. But then he was like, I'm just saying that because last time I said no and everybody got mad. So <laughs> like he's just he's our most like perfect kind of tragic comic character in the nba and i think we really need to embrace that um shay's coat at his all-star game post game presser everyone's talking about that but he also had like a vintage louis vuitton it wasn't even a briefcase it was like a suitcase because it was much bigger right like a square suitcase uh carried it in someone asked him what's it what's in that and he's like nothing absolutely nothing (laughs) just wanted to carry it I, I just it. wanted to hold the bag. It's about fashion. It's not about, you know, yes. utility. What else do I have? Oh, the last, I have an honorable mention. Um, I would say that uh, Charles Barkley, who maybe had imbibed a little bit before the All-Star game, uh, but just coming right out and saying it during the All-Star game that there's nothing to do in Utah. All these people are going to heaven <laughs> because... Well, that maybe wasn't my experience and I did somehow find myself out late most nights. It's true. It's like, uh, you know, it's a quiet city. Very beautiful with the mountains, but very quiet. It definitely did not have as much room service as Shaq did, though. 
they just sit inside drinking apple cider. Yeah. But um, how's that for you? That's perfect. That actually is probably, that's actually better than any festivity, anything that happened within the All-Star game. It was better than the skills challenge, better than the game. Um, everything you just said is terrific. Thank you. And you interviewed Vince Carter. I did. I interviewed Vince Carter, yeah, right before I left, actually, which That's was so cool. great because yeah. I could just bring it up casually in some of the other interviews I ended up doing. Like mm -hmm. I just got a, like I've got like a direct line to Vince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just tell people like, oh, so I talked to Vince Carter the other day. And to them, they're like, oh, so she says it that casually. I that did. I was like, she speaks to people like this all the time. Yeah. I did an NPR interview my last day in Utah. And I they were like, asked me about the dunk contest. And I was like, oh, Vince uh, really hated the wheel. And I was like, that sounded just like he, he did tell me that, but it sounded like he had just texted me that after the dunk contest or something. Uh, Pleasant times, um, even though the game wasn't great and everyone's now talking about how do they fix the the dunk or the all-star game, game and everything. Yeah, I pretty, mean, pretty uh, it is what it is. I don't know how you make players compete. Um, I think it's a sort of in them. They decide if they want to. I don't think a million dollars to each person is really going to do much either because mm -hmm. everyone in the all-star game is making lots of millions, many, many millions. So I don't know. Maybe uh, it's just, it is what it is new crop of players perhaps will make it more competitive. I don't know, but you know, when it was competitive, you had players who were very competitive in the game, Chris Paul, Kyle Lowry, Kawhi Leonard, like guys that actually care about every single win or loss. These guys, they just want to make sure that they don't get injured. And I understand it too. I get it. I think you could just short the game. Honestly, yeah. it felt so long. Um, shorten the game and toss yeah. in some outliers, like get yourself a Kyle Lowry, there isn't anyone like him, but get somebody yeah. in that game who's going to like do something non-All-Star game, like e.g. play defense, uh, mm. because it throws everybody else off. And that makes for actually a more interesting game because you're, everything is so rehearsed and repetitive and you know it's going to yeah. happen. So when you've got at least one person in the game not playing like that, it makes a world of difference. It does. Okay, that's enough about that. The Raptors okay. are back. <laughs> the Raptors are back. Um they play tomorrow against the New Orleans Pelicans, and this is kickstarting their hopes and ambitions to get into the top six. I feel like we've been talking about that for many months now, um, but Fred Van Vliet yesterday said, uh, you know, I think we can do it. Absolutely. It's going to take a lot of work, but we can do it. We're, we can be that team. Um, they got to jump a lot of teams. But before we get to all that kind of stuff, I guess just has your confidence level changed in the Toronto Raptors since the Yaka Pirtle trade, which has helped them. And actually what we've seen over the past two games, I say two because the first game, he didn't really play much. Past two games has actually been um, where we've, we're seeing Yaka, you know, make the impact that we thought he might. So has it changed anything for you this season? Also like the Raptors in the future. TBD this season. <laughs> TBD, yeah. The, the last game, like the, the last three games that we saw Yaka Pirtle in, did feel like difference makers, but I think that is with the understanding that it's been like crawling through a desert with this team. And it was kind of like being in a mirage, right? <laughs> Those last three wins with Jakob. So yeah. now to, to be seen whether or not that it is a mirage or this is like, we've hit a place of lasting sustenance. Uh, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So 
that I'm very curious to watch in these next 23 games of the season, just to see what happens. What is staying? How are roles going to change on the team? What does this mean for guys like Fred Van Fleet, Ojin and OB guys who's Gary Trent Jr. too, like guys whose names were up at the trade deadline. Um, Does this clarify roles? You know, like, does this clarify rotations? What is this going to do for Nick nurse? So that's the kind of stuff I'm keen to watch because I think more than where the team ends up at the end of this season, it's more clarifying to the direction that they're heading in for next season. Um, Mm -hmm. Which I think, you know, like you and I have been hitting on pretty hard whenever we've talked throughout this clarity, clarity and direction. Yes. Yeah. And that's part of the reason why I think, you know, they made the trade is that, Masai, and he's mentioned this, he said it during his end of trade deadline presser, which was tedious and, you know, kind of uh, intense at points mm-hmm. with some of the questions that were being directed towards him. But I mean, the takeaway is that he believes in the core of the team. And I, he kind of said, you know, um, I got to see what they look like with an actual rim protecting big. And the roles you mentioned, that clarity, um, having some actual increased depth now, because I'm, mm-hmm. I would imagine Gary Trent Jr. is going to go to the bench. You got pressure that you coming off the bench. You got some some real juice coming off there, and that's going to help alleviate minutes for some of the starters. And in the end, like I mean, people want to talk about the draft picks and stuff like that, but there isn't that many mobile rim protecting bigs in the NBA. And now you have one of them. And you know, last year probably the price was a little bit too high for the Raptors, and they didn't want to do that. They probably would have had to sacrifice Gary or someone else, and they didn't have to do it here. They you know lost three draft picks and Ken Birch, but you have your guy. That mm-hmm. spot is settled. It's very good. Even like the past three games, they're plus 5.4 points per points scored per 100 possessions and <laughs> minus 30.5 points allowed per 100 possessions. Both of those when Jakob Pertl is on the court. Now the defense, obviously that's going to even out. It's a very small sample size, but I think it just shows that, you know, he's third in contested shots in these past two games too. That means something. You're addressing something that's been a problem for a long time. And now you can actually say, okay, OG, Gary, Fred, you're going to know at the end of the season what you want to do and who is uh, the best fit for your team. And that is really important to me. I think that means something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think like um, the price, if we want to say, it's less like the price, obviously, but obviously the front office wasn't going to make a move uh, to give too much up. But I also think yeah. the there's like there was a crunch. There's like a bit of a price crunch. It was like, well, we need this right now. Because mm-hmm. we didn't get this the last opportunity we had uh, in the summer. We thought we didn't need it. Uh, look how we've suffered <laughs> pretty sure. much through the first three quarters of the season. We got to set things right. So generally, I'm just glad that they picked one of the myriad problems that they had yeah. uh, and have like seemingly dealt with that. We'll see how that clarifies or has a trickle down effect into sure. some of the other problems, which I think it naturally will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that's still a big TBD in terms of who you're moving off of this summer, because I don't think it can be, I don't think everybody can stay. No, no, for sure. And the reason why I think Masai and Bobby were so uncertain of what to do is that they didn't want to hang in the middle. They didn't want yeah. to be the Chicago Bulls. What I'm not sure what they really did. Like they didn't get better. They didn't get worse. They're just like, we're going to be probably in the playing tournament and that's who we are. And we're going to bank on these three all-stars of ours that haven't actually played that well together um, to figure it out when it hasn't worked so far. So you don't want to be that. And mm-hmm. I think Masai and Bobby knew that we can't be that. So where are you going to go? Are you going to go double down? Are you going to go become uh, sellers? And they decide mm-hmm. that we're going to get ourselves a, 
and protecting big, and we're going to see what uh, what happens. So certainly they're kicking the the ball down the can here, or the, the kicking the what. God. Kicking the can <laughs> down the court. Down the road. That's what I meant. Yeah. Kicking the, the ball. <laughs> kicking the can down the road is what Even they're the doing. The ball down the court works. That's in true. A basketball sense. There you go. I could see Jokic doing that sometimes. <laughs> he did do that a couple of times in the All Star yeah, game. He did. Yes. <laughs> okay. So I mentioned those numbers. How the Raptors are better um, with Jakobertel on the court. Mm-hmm. Um, the actual the starting lineup of Van Vliet, Barnes, Siakam, Achua, and Pertle. Plus 23.7 point differential in 85 minutes. The two opponents, Orlando, Detroit, okay. But there's something there. And I think it just shows um, how much that team needed. This team has needed someone like Jakob. But Mm -hmm. moving towards the offensive side of the ball, um, Fred having a pick and roll partner um, has been very, very helpful. And the Raptors have needed someone. It's been like a little process. You know, we started with, okay, the Raptors have to do more pick and roll. And then they started using Scotty there. And that was good, but it just, it wasn't clicking the way that you probably wanted to between mm-hmm. um, Fred and Scotty. And also you want Scotty doing other things because he's so malleable and so versatile. Uh, so they need someone else. And now they have Fred and, and, and Jakob, and it's actually been pretty good. So what are the advantages of having something like that? A good pick uh, and I th- roll. Yeah, I think like, well... For me, again, the most um, the thing I'm most interested in is sort of like the trickle down impacts yeah. of having somebody like Jacob Pertle on the floor. Like he's going to give you a bit more spacing, and he's going to be the one that's kind of taking the knocks around the rim. So it doesn't have to be a Pascal, mm-hmm. a Scotty, you know, like a pre- like a precious. If when the two of them are on the floor together, um, it frees them up to shoot. You know, sure, it it helps. I mean, it helps with your second chance points, which have kind of been like your bread and butter through the mm. season. Though Jakob Pertl's like straight up shooting has also been a great <laughs> help thus far. Love so, the, like, those floaters. Yeah, mm. fingers crossed that that sticks around. Yeah. Um, But I mean, I am most interested in seeing what this does for Fred Van Vliet because he seems to be the one that, um, for whatever reason, this season has had a few slumps. Yeah. And his role in his future with the team uh, has lost some clarity. So I'm, mm-hmm. I think this will actually like ease things up for him. Yeah. And I hope it allows him to, to kind of double down with the team yeah. and for the team to double down with him, because I look around even in the off season and I don't really know who else you're bringing in at that point role. Um, you never sure. know, like, you know, people become available, moves happen in the summer that are always surprises, but it would be my hope that he can still, you know, forge ahead uh, with this team. It's also like someone like Jakob, who he is familiar with his playing style. You know, I think yeah. that's why the two of them have been able to click so readily and easily on the, mm-hmm. on the pick and roll side of things. Um, and Jakob has like matured and gotten better, just like Fred has in the time that they've been apart. So I hope this is something that makes his life easier and we will reap the benefits of that. Yeah. I mean, I think that's spot on. I mean, the the lack of clarity, we talk about clarity. I mean, Fred's role with Scotty, you know, his ambitions to be a point guard, um, it just makes it a little bit murky. Like how does Fred fit into it? But mm-hmm. if you have a pick and roll combo, now that means something. Even the past two games we're seeing in the first game, you know, Fred goes for 26 points, eight assists. Um, the Pistons are playing drop and Fred was hitting mid-range jumpers and shot six of 13 from three. Um, the volume, like a lot of shots, maybe 26 mm-hmm. shots is a little bit 
north of what you'd like it to be, maybe around 23, 22 or whatever. But in the end, it worked. And then fast forward to the Orlando game, and I'm sure they're thinking, okay, we got to we gotta stop Fred here. And they trap him. And then Jacoperto goes off for 31. And he has six blocks and nine rebounds. Like there's something there that is going to help the Raptors have easy offense, you know, mm-hmm. possession by possession. And when your first couple of possessions don't really go too well and within a, a shot clock uh, situation, um, you can always go to this. And you can trust those two guys to just figure out a way to get offense out of it. And that is really important. The Raptors have struggled so much just getting good offensive looks. Mm-hmm. And he makes it so much easier um, with Fred uh, being a, sh- a shot maker and Jakob being able to hit those floaters. Those are beautiful. I love those. Mm-hmm. And also, he's a passing big. Like, who doesn't love a passing big? It's beautiful to see. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. <laughs> so Not me. Yeah. I don't not love it. <laughs> uh-huh. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. I enjoy it. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Um, there's versatility and that's really important. Um, the Raptors, like they were trying to, you know, imagine ways they could have more versatility with this six, nine lineup, but it just turns out perhaps that the most versatility you can have is having traditional players in traditional roles. Yes. (laughs) I mean, like the argument for that is as long as you kind of have a couple fixed anchor points. Yeah. It does free you up to have like, cause versatility, it's like almost like, I don't know, think of gravity or like, think of like the solar system. You have like fixed points and then you have these other bodies that can kind of swing wildly around them. I think Mm -hmm. if you don't have those fixed points and everybody is just like very unclear on what they're doing at all times. So you add a couple of those in and gives everybody, I'd say room to almost like be a bit more creative. So sure. Interested to see how this plays out. Yeah, sure. And I actually like uh, Jakob's creativity too. Um, mm-hmm. Even when he doesn't have the ball, he's not involved in the actions. Um, he has a way of navigating space on the court. Like there were cases in the last game where like Malachi, he's going baseline and Jakob, you know, rolls from the one side of the block, the weak side to the strong side, and he gets a little floater out of it. It's like those intuitive things that he's mm-hmm. able to do because he's been in the league for a little while. That's so important. And with the Raptors, their spacing limitations, which, I mean, we all kind of know, not a lot of three-point shooters in their ideal starting lineup. Um, although I want to shout out Pascal Siakam, who is shooting 40% on catch-and-shoot threes in the last 15 games. So there's a pretty beautiful good. uptick there. That's mm-hmm. pretty damn good. Um <laughs> But in the end, you need the spacing is going to be a problem. And uh, Yaka being so smart, knowing how to just be situationally aware is going to be helpful for them to maintain that spacing. Um, But moving on to, well, Nick Nurse's rotations, because now that everyone is healthy and that was said yesterday, Nick Mm -hmm. Nick Nurse said, all right, we got everyone here. OG is going to be back. Gary's going to be back. Daz is going to be back. Um, I would imagine their starting lineup is going to be Fred, OG, Pascal, Scotty, and Jakob Pertl. Those are your starters. But now off the bench, how does this work? And you got to like think about the players you have and also the situation you're in. You need to win games. And you got to win a lot of them. So we might be talking, you know, shortening the rotation. Um, but in the end, like how does Nick Nurse figure this one out in terms of players off the bench? 
Hmm. Tricky. I think, uh, I actually don't think, I think their bench has gotten a lot better. Like, I think you actually now have some reliability in your bench. If you even just want to play a bench unit and -hmm. just like try and do it traditionally in terms of like who you're switching on and off. Right. I like Gary. I think Gary has like dug in this season and really done, you know, like he was criticized early on. And since then, I think he's dug in and done everything that's been asked of him. It's obviously a little bit of a, he might think of it as a regression to come off the bench, but I think he's going to be so valuable there. Same with Precious, right? Um, I would love to see a lineup with Precious and Yakov, actually. (laughs) That would be fun. I think we're going to see some of that where you have like, you know, you're going to like pop, pop these guys in, pop these bench guys in mm-hmm. with your starters to give some of your starters a breather, which is another important point, right? You sure. don't want them having to play upwards of 43, 42 minutes again. Um, no, no. So no, now no. I think you have the bench you thought you had all season long. There's still some questionable spots. Like, I don't know how long you want to put Malachi Flynn in for, right? I don't know if you can do straight up subs in that capacity, but mm-hmm. I actually think this has kind of clarified things. I hope it would clarify things for Nick nurse. We'll see yeah. like he can still, you know, he still has like a, a fondness, <laughs> let's say for maybe mixing things up uh, in his rotations yeah. when it doesn't seem like he really needs to. Uh-huh. Um, but I think if you're looking at a play, if you, even if you're looking at like a, whether it's going to be play in or the Raptors can secure like one of the last playoff spots, mm-hmm. uh, I think you're looking at like some decent, decent rotations and availability uh, yeah. throughout that. And it, again, like this, we're being realistic. This is more to look toward what's the team's going to look like next season. Certainly. Um, yeah. These are good problems that Nick has. Um, mm-hmm. He was asked about it yesterday and he's doubled down on this many, many times, but he's like, I would like to play my starters 32 minutes. That'd be great. Um, yeah. But also I'm trying to win games and the bench production just hasn't been there. So it is going to get um, a bit better with Gary and precious there. Um, I like the idea of uh, a lineup of like Scotty at point guard. Like you mentioned Malachi Flynn. I think when the Raptors are fully healthy, I don't think he's really part of the rotation. Um, if you already have like Gary and Chris and precious and probably that plays a bit of minutes here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I don't really see a spot for, for Malachi. There could be a case where maybe they're struggling from three or something like that. But in the end, I think you do want Scotty playing those backup point guard minutes, which we're gonna get to this in a second, but I mean, Scotty's role has changed quite a bit since uh, Jakob got here and you need to make sure that you're making him as impactful as possible. Mm-hmm. the past two games he's been really good uh but at the same time like he's just because he is so versatile and uh just a, such a heady player he's finding ways to make an impact but i would like to see the ball in his hands more so if you're rolling out a lineup of like scotty gary precious chris and og you know like that could be a bench unit and that could be bench slash starters but that lineup could like roll for six minutes or seven minutes and they could actually mm-hmm. be a uh, positive and mm-hmm. during that time Fred and Pascal aren't on the court. How nice is that? Mm-hmm. And uh, you give them some time to get to gel a little bit. But I also do like the idea of Jakob and uh, Gary playing together. I mean, Nick said it yesterday that it'd be good to tap into Jakob's passing a little bit and doing more dribble handoffs and um, letting him be like a high post uh, passer as he was in San Antonio. And Gary, that screams Gary. Mm-hmm. He'd be such mm-hmm. a good uh, release valve in, in situations like that. So a lot of options. I mean, maybe Mancho. 
you know, Wancho is a great cutter too. Maybe Wancho gets an appearance because of the chemistry he can form with a Yaka Pertle. But yeah, there's a lot of options. Um, I just hope that this means that Fred and Pascal are going to be uh, reserved for, you know, the peak times, first quarter, fourth quarter, obviously, and they get their minutes in the second and third, uh, of course, but their minutes get to like 35 minutes and it stays there and there's reliability mm-hmm. um, in some lineups that don't feature them too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's okay. a really good point. Just reliability generally would be a good thing Yeah, because like when you've got your bench unit out and they're actually just like making things harder for you and stressing everybody out, you're not coming <laughs> You're then maybe like you're Pascal and Fred and you've got to rest like a few minutes, but you're not coming in like feeling super confident. You're coming in feeling very stressed out and like, geez, we got to, we really got to dig in and catch up here. So to not have that, to actually have restful minutes that are restful for your starters, Mm -hmm. that would be good. I'd love to see Pascal when he's actually a little bit fresh in the fourth quarter. Every time we see him over the past, I mean, however long and months now, fourth quarter comes around and he just kind of fades away. And I don't think it's because of a a lack of presence. I think it's a lack of energy because he's in minute 38, Mm -hmm. 39 on the night and the guys that he's going against and he's getting the best defensive matchups, they're fresher and he's just not simply Mm -hmm. there. Uh, So yeah, healthier version of of those two down the stretch would be mighty helpful for the Raptors in this stretch where they're trying to get into that top six. Um, But as I mentioned, Scotty Barnes, so his touches per game have gone down by 12 in the last two yeah. games um, with Jakob Pertl. Again, these are good problems because you have a lot of good players. However, you know, Scotty, he's got to keep developing. He's got to keep developing. And as I said, he's done a good job, right? He's into the free throw line, 17 free throws over the past two games. That's pretty damn good. That's a lot. The Raptors need that. Um, and just finding space, in the court um, has been always a, an asset of his. And he's kind of actually reverting back to the role he was in last season when uh, the mm-hmm. no plays were being, being run for him, but he was just finding an area to capitalize on opportunities, whether it's like, you know, attacking closeouts or just finding space on the court and just being um, a release valve. Like it's all good, but how do the Raptors ensure that they're getting the best out of Scotty Barnes? Hmm. I would argue what you're saying uh, is like a detriment to his development is actually good for it because I don't think that's just going to come from touches. I think like some of his development right now, um, I think some of his frustrations can be alleviated by realizing that his role to be versatile, sometimes that's going to be taking a a backseat. Sometimes you're not going to be the primary Hmm. Ball handler, sometimes it's not going to be in your hands as much. You're going to, as you said, like be a release valve or be an outlet or just be like a kick out, you know, part of like a kick out in some of these offensive schemes on the defensive end. I think it actually will make things easier for him too. As I mentioned earlier, like he's not going to get knocked around so much because you've got Jakob there. Uh Um, And one of the critiques of Scotty Barnes from coaching staff. And I think that we've had this season is sometimes his, um, his uh what like his aggressiveness you know and yeah, his decision making yeah, yeah and to just commit whether or not like you're committing to a move like maybe you commit and it backfires but mm-hmm. you still have to commit like you can't be afraid to commit because you're like oh maybe this decision doesn't work out like decision making in basketball only gets to the levels that we see you know the really good kind of like steely 
court geniuses make because they've made mistakes in the past. So again, I think it's not the worst thing to have Scotty Barnes back up off the ball a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. His main frustration seems to be in not winning games. Right. And he said that before, like he hates losing games. And I think that's something that like really affects him uh, on a personal level and like certainly on the floor in his gameplay. So he should be happy if they win games and it's not all like thanks to, you know, him like taking and making the shots. I think that's Mm -hmm. just as important to a young guy's development. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a fair point, right? Um, Because of how, I mean, just how great those, those spots are when he is very, very good. You know, those games where he's putting up 25 and Mm -hmm. 10 rebounds and five assists, like those are some incredible numbers that, you know, only a certain level of player can get to. But in the end, you also need to ensure that you're you're keeping perspective where he is in his in his career. And also, I I do want to see him continue to hone his point guard skills. There are mm-hmm. still some things that he has to improve on. His jump shot being one of the the bigger ones, and also his ball handling. But uh, he's able to be a decision maker in this in this kind of role. And I think he is. It's like when players talk about they're injured for like twenty games or something like that, and they say that I you know I learned so much just by watching. I yeah. think it's similar to that. That he's going to learn so much just from being an observer at points and being able to time your cuts and knowing when to go and uh, finishing around the rim. Like these are all things that are going to help him become the player, you know, much better player that he wants to be in like tw- in three, four years, whatever. When he's 27 years old, these reps now in this role within the Raptors where he has to be kind of a do it everything man and just find ways to impact the team on offense. Um, it's going to help him. And defensively, I mean, I'm happy that it seems like he's a little bit healthier than he was earlier in the season. And mm-hmm. uh, if he just c- continues to, you know, just, be decisive and his defensive presence. Uh, I think it's going to help him, you know, be better on offense too. The Raptors want to run, right? Get mm-hmm. in transition. And he's one of the best at it. He's a freaking transformer when he's <laughs> running down the court. Like he is very good. And that could be somewhere again, where he's able to, um, you know, be that spark for them. Mm-hmm. And like, I will say, and players talk about this too, like the biggest improvements happen in the off season, like happen in the summer when they're at, when they're doing runs, when they're at camps, when they're working with their own trainers, it's because that's when mm-hmm. they have the most time to actually work. They're not just doing yeah. team practices and they don't have like a game every other night or back to back. There's not a lot of time to actually change your skill set sure. in the regular season. Uh, mm-hmm. In the off season, when you have time and you're doing it every day and you can kind of go back and yeah, like looking at tape is important, but to actually have time to reconcile all that tape and to say like, sit and look at it and think like, okay, here's what I need to do. But like, now I actually have the time to improve it. Like that is when you see players have like the biggest kind of leaps and bounds when it comes to their skill set. Yeah. And like capabilities. So Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, this next like stretch, I think it's going to be very helpful also for Scotty to see what a connected team looks like, because you have previous relationships that go through that, like run through Yaka Pirtle. Uh, Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. And honestly, Scotty hasn't actually had that with this team since he's become a part of the Raptors because you had a lot of people leaving. Yeah. Um, So I think that will be helpful too. You learn through mistakes. If everything's honky-dory, how much are you learning? But this this rep in this season where it's been so up and down and Mm -hmm. uh, he he has five points and he has 25 points and that's the nature of the Raptors offense, the nature of his role at points. Um, It's going to help him become a more consistent player. I mm-hmm. will bank on that. But now the Raptors want to get into that top six, apparently. And, uh, you know, a lot of the teams that they have to jump, the Wizards, Hawks, Heat, Knicks, 
Uh, the Brooklyn Nets are there. Those are the teams between five and nine. A lot of them have tough schedules too. Mm-hmm. And as I said earlier, Fred believes they can do it. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I am cautiously optimistic. And I think we'll learn a lot from the Pelicans game. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, it is going to be still a process. Now you're bringing OG and Gary back. So it's almost like in some ways you're you're incorporating two more players, but you also have Jakob Pertl. So there is going to be a bit of a process here. But I think that if uh, if they're able to find some consistency, have a good defensive floor, which I think they will because they have Jakob now, and they're able to get a, a reliable second unit, mm-hmm. it could happen. Mm-hmm. It's not impossible. Maybe I'm being a little bit too optimistic. I could be. Four and a half games isn't nothing. You got to leapfrog a lot of teams. But I think it's at least fair to say that they'll probably be in the plan at the very least. And yeah. we'll see what happens with the top six. I think they got to approach it incrementally. You can't really look at leapfrogging like who's like three up from you. It's like, let's approach the team immediately ahead of us because this gap that had seemed to be just stuck all season has finally widened even in the middle of the standings. So I think to catch like the Hawks kind of in shambles, like a very, I don't understand like a mid-season firing of Nate McMillan when it's like, I don't know that you can place blame on him, but, you know, uh, Trey doesn't have the best track record with coaches right now. So uh-huh. I think they're, you're just trying to appease your star in that case. What I mean is that that's not a team that I think the Raptors should be that worried about. I think they can catch them pretty easily. The yeah. Nets are kind of in a similar situation now that you've jettisoned, you know, like your two. They were actually playing pretty well. And then they're well, the, yes. The trade deadline has really reset that so there a lot of the teams that the raptors now have to catch have their own internal problems so if toronto can stay i think focused and just look at it as like a one game at a time situation not get too Mm -hmm. ahead of themselves don't look at it as like well we've got to make it to the sixth spot just like one game at a time one win at a time that can be very momentum building yeah exactly and see where you end up Uh, Mm -hmm. but be realistic about about it yeah Cautiously optimistic is what I'm yes. going to say, but that could all change. After Absolutely, the game, be where I go back to. Yeah, because <laughs> again, it's like you've you've had like a season of not, you've had a pretty dismal season. So it's yes. fine to be I optimistic have. now because if you have a reason for it, like just embrace it, take it, yeah. be optimistic. Yeah. yeah. Um. In the end, like the Raptors. I mean, I think this move was in the bigger picture a, a smart one. Um, mm-hmm. The picks that I mentioned, you know, it, it is what it is. Uh, 2024 first round pick, that's one to six protected. Okay. Uh, a few second rounders, you can recoup those probably during the off season, because like we mentioned earlier, there's going to be some movement. I don't think they can afford to keep all of them, all the guys that could be up for new contracts or are looking for a change of scenery. So you could get some of those back then, but you have a rim protector. You have one. Mm-hmm. Let's be happy about that. We're yeah. early in the process and we're still seeing uh, we're seeing how how helpful it is to everyone. Um, I don't think Vision 69 is necessarily dead, but I, I do think that uh, they probably realize that there has to be some tweaks along the margins. And one of them probably is like they needed a rim protector. Three point exactly. shooting is still a hole. Um, but I hope that, you know, Precious and Gary moving to the bench is going to help them get better offense over the course of a whole game. You know, mm-hmm. they're going to struggle from three. They're going to have gains where they shoot 35%. Then it's going to be 29%. And it's going to be like 11%, whatever. But your defensive floor is better. You have better, well-rounded talent throughout your entire roster. And we proceed. 
we, we do. Proceed. We proceed. That's a song <laughs> by Common, right? We proceed. Proceed. I think it is. Anyways, Katie, closing thoughts? Uh, see what happens. Anything coming up? Let's Anything see you're excited what happens. About? Uh, about for the team? No, you. Oh, me personally? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um. I mean, I'm I'm still excited about the piece I wrote for the New York Times Magazine about the dunk contest. Ooh, yeah. Ooh. So so you oh, can read yeah. that at the NewYorkTimes.com. Who are they again? I'm joking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who are they? That's prime time. Um, yeah, I, that that feels good. Otherwise, nice. like I don't know. When I look around the league, sorry, I didn't think I didn't know if we were at plug time yet. That's why I plugged it. But it, closing thoughts on the league, I think. It was a deceptive trade deadline and it, it, it didn't seem like too much happened, but I think like the main players, like the West is very unclarified to me. I think in the Crazy. East, like you've got yeah. the, like the Celtics have just been there all season yeah, and will continue to be. But in terms of like, who's coming at the West, like this next, these next few games, like few 23 games are going to be pretty exciting. I think. No question. It's going to yeah. be very exciting. <clears throat> I'm looking forward to it. That was actually the roots with the song Proceed, not not Common. There you go. I was thinking of a different Glad you Googled song. it. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I had to clarify because I'm like, wait, I don't think it was Common. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thank you everyone for listening. Please rate, review, and subscribe everywhere. YouTube, podcast platform. Have a good day. Hopefully the Raptors beat the Pelicans. 